0: Hello, everyone. This is Yulei Strate. Today, I'm speaking with Jenny Miller. Jenny has dedicated her career to talent development, both as an employee of one of the major global telecommunication companies and also as an entrepreneur. She's the co-author and facilitator of a new holistic approach to team development, The Five Dynamics of High-Performing Teams. Together with Alison Grieve, who was my guest on the first podcast, They have developed this methodology based on decades of research and direct experience in coaching teams in major organizations. Today, we talk about teams, how to holistically view and define them, how to support their success. We go into details on the five dynamics of high-performing teams. We also discuss the impact of technology, the difference between agile and classical teams, and which can perform better, the current focus on individuality, and many others. If you do find these types of conversations useful, you can support the podcast by subscribing to it. To access the video podcast and subscribe for free to my YouTube channel, go to youtube.com, type in Skills for Mars and hit the subscribe button. Alternatively, you can go to my website, juliestrata.com forward slash skillsformars and click the YouTube Confirm Your Subscription button. And now I give you Jenny Miller. Hello everyone and welcome to the Skills for Mars podcast. Uh, I'm here with Jenny Miller, a co-founder for Management Dynamics and a real passionate of Teams development. Jenny, welcome to Skills for Mars. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. I'm really glad to have you here. Uh, Jenny, as with everyone, before we get into the details and we talk about teams, because the focus of today will be mostly teams, can you tell us a bit about uh, yourself, how you got uh, to where you are, how you got to co-found Management Dynamics, who is Management Dynamics, a Hmm. bit about uh, the kind of work maybe you did before, your career journey, Hmm. and how you got here?
1: Sure. So um, I have been all of my working life in... I'd say HR roles, but, you know, I'm not an HR generalist at all. I, I uh, specialize in development, people development stuff. That's a technical term, by the way. Um, and uh, so I grew up in uh, Vodafone, uh, a okay. big multinational uh, corporation and uh, back back in the days when it was it was uh, growing massively so I joined just as they were on an acquisition trail I was twenty three when I joined them um, very very young and uh, had an interest in people's stuff but I really didn't know much about this people's stuff <laughs> so I spent many years moving around into different roles and progressing through the organization uh, doing different mostly project-based roles, because I worked in the group center. Um, supporting the operating companies. with 20, I think it was about 28 operating mm-hmm. companies at that point. And we were like internal consultants to the business in, in our area of speciality. So I did roles like uh, employee engagement, performance management, um, leadership development, management development, talent management. So I, uh, for a while I managed their uh, what they call their global leadership program, which is their talent program for for uh, people around the world. Um, And once I'd done all of these different roles, um, in terms of specialism for a period of time, I felt like I needed to get out into the real world and experience life in business, you know, in an operating company. So I moved to New Zealand for a few years with them as well. Turned into a five year thing for me personally um, and absolutely loved my time um, at Vodafone there. I um, headed up the OD team to start with, the organisational development team, which is a combination of all those things I'd been working on up until now um, in one team in an operational environment, really highly operational environment. Um, and then I moved into head of learning and development role, which was again, highly operational environment, supporting most of the sales and sales Service functions, churning out training. He was a machine. <laughs> so really learned about you know making learning stick, um, creating behaviour change in a short space of time, time and time again, getting the workforce to upskill themselves. And the next new product, because it we was constantly you know churning out new products, seventy a month we had. And we had to train everybody on all of these things. So it taught me the machine, (laughs) the machine that is learning and, and, and how powerful that has to be in an organization like that. Um, and how to keep people interested in learning, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that was awesome. And uh, nine years in Vodafone was enough, Um, and I'd I'd had children, and I decided I wanted more flexibility than the corporate life at that time would give me, Um, and so I decided to go freelance. So I've been freelance now for – I left in 2010, so nine years. Nine years. Nearly coming up to ten years, and um, have absolutely loved it. So I love – I love being my own boss. I love the variety of the clients that I work with projects that I work on. Um, and uh, Alison and I, my, Alison's my business partner, um, we've known each other for 12 years. Um, so most of my time as a freelancer, I've known her and we've worked together in different formats. And three Isn't years that ago, funny?
0: I think I know her for about the same amount of time. Really?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, three years ago, we decided to start up Management Dynamics. So um, it just felt like a natural culmination, natural next step of our working relationship up until that point. Um, And both of us at that point wanted something bigger than we had so far been able to create Mm -hmm. on our own. So we wanted to create something that was more sustainable as a business that brought together lots of people with lots of different areas of expertise Mm -hmm. into our clients' world, you know, the idea that we're more powerful together than we are Individu- individually. Yes, um, and that has been absolutely realized for us and, and, and is growing and becoming more and more so. And that's what I love <laughs> about our business is the people that we get to work with.
0: Uh, true. But you also, what you've done, really quite amazing with both of you. Uh, before that, since I know I've known Alison, she's been doing, and I think you are doing the same, so pretty much, um, already designed. So out of the box kind of trainings, mm-hmm. but together you combined your experience and you, you created this five dynamics of five performing teams, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is, which is what we want to talk about because it's quite new and it's a different view on teams rather than yeah. the piece by piece area by area. Look at, into teams. This is a more holistic mm-hmm. view. Yeah, so. Would you be okay to go a bit
1: into that and describe yeah. a bit, uh, what uh, the kind
0: of work you're doing with the five yeah. dynamics?
1: Yeah. So an overview of the high five dynamics of high performing teams. So we, we created it out of frustration, <laughs> ironically, uh, I think a lot of things are often created out of frustration, aren't they? New inventions and stuff. Um, and this is very much in that vein. So we have worked with teams for teams, to, you know, creating stuff, developing teams for years and years and years. Of course we have, and we've used a lot of other people's stuff um and the frustration came when we felt that the stuff that's already out there only goes so far for teams and it's quite uh focused in terms of one particular aspect of teams mm-hmm. that it tends to, to to address um it can be quite short term focused it can be um quite disempowering for the leader as well so feeling like it, i feel it the, the products that are out there enable facilitators to do great stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and help teams to a certain extent, but it's often instead of the leader being the ones that uh, can support their team going forward. Um, and so we felt that we needed to create something that was, was more holistic, as you said, that word that you, you used, I think is really appropriate um, and is wider reaching because we think that and we know actually the research tells us that... Teams are not just about the relationship. Of course, relationships are really, really important, but that's just one aspect. And so we wanted to create a model that would um, uh, address everything that a team needs to be thinking about all the time in order to achieve high performance. And that's where the five dynamics came okay. from. Yeah. So how is the five dynamics so Different. The, the, what, and what yeah. are the, 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 all the areas that you look at yeah so the five things that we we, we think are important what we know are important like you know, <laughs> we've validated it through looking at huge amounts of research there's a lot of research that's out there in mm-hmm. relation to teams and so we've we've scanned it all and pulled it all together um, when building this model. Um, so the five are uh, reason why does the team exist what's its purpose? you know what um what is its purpose in relation to the organizational purpose how does that fit yeah you know, what value does that team bring to the organization but we don't just stop there mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not enough mm-hmm. we also have to think about um, what what's the, the teams are made up of people right and people come to work every day wanting to be motivated. They want to do a good job. Yeah. Most people don't come to work wanting to do a bad job, right? Cool. Um and, and so most people, people d- like to enjoy it and enjoy the people they're with. We want to do a good job. And um and when they don't do a good job, it's usually because they're not connected to something higher than themselves. Yeah. You know? So they're not connected to a purpose. Mm-hmm. They're not they their motivators and their their reasons for for, for doing the job that they do just aren't being fulfilled. So that's a really important part of this is understanding everybody's connection personally and individually to that reason Mm -hmm. and making that really obvious. And of course, by thinking about that and making that clear, you also start to build another dynamic, which we'll talk about later, which is relationships. So, um, so that's one, one aspect of, of all of this is getting really clear on the reason, um, both at a, at a team level and individually and Mm -hmm. sharing that yeah, and then constantly having an eye on that all the time second thing is results I think it goes without saying but it's amazing how many team uh, models that are out there really don't even focus on this. It's kind of taken for granted. Um, And the danger is that if you take something for granted, it's just not focused on, um, you know, or maybe one person in in the team is thinking about it, i.e. the leader and and other people are are just not focusing on it in the way that they should. So, there's something in there about um, getting crystal clear about what the team is accountable for delivering. And we, we like to talk about the five big watts, mm-hmm. five big watts, five big buckets of accountabilities that that team has. And the reason we say five, and it doesn't have to be five, it can be up to five, right? You could have one <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> really, really clear accountability. Most teams have a few more than that. Um, but, you know, no more than five because it needs to be really memorable for the team. People need to be able to remember it. It needs to be in simple language and people need to be able to just, you know, reel it off at any point. Um, and then it needs to be simple because we need to bring it into our daily life and our work every day. We need to constantly be talking about these five big watts. And once we're clear on that, things like prioritization becomes really easy because what we do is and something new comes in and we go, how does that relate to our five big watts? Well, it doesn't. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be doing it. And let's push back on that. Or do we need to reevaluate our five big watts so that, because that's really, really important, strategies changed, whatever. Now our five, five uh, big goals to yeah. changed. So, again, just like with reason, this is on two levels. So, with, with res- results, we're talking about accountabilities that the team has, these five big watts, but we're also talking about everybody's individual connection to those five big watts. Now, not everybody in the team would link to every single big watt, but they need to have a link to at least one. Otherwise, what's what's their, their reason for being part of this team? And once you get clear on that, you know, who, who supports what accountability, writing objectives becomes really easy. Uh, collaboration, you know, across individuals within the team, you know, if, if two people are working on the same accountability, They need to talk to each Mm -hmm. other. They're probably interdependent upon each other. That kind of thing starts to become clearer. And what that cuts out, which is such a big problem in in so many organizations, is duplication of effort. So many times I've talked to people in in teams. They work in the same team and they suddenly realize that they're working on the same thing and they haven't even even realized it.
0: Mm -hmm. So cool communication of these parts connected more to relationships or is it yeah. underlying in all
1: of the five uh, dynamics i, th- I think you're right i think it's it's underlying in all of them i think with all of these dynamics you know relationships I mean, they're all interconnected aren't they at the end of the day um but you've got to communicate you can't just do this in isolation you can't get people to individually try and work out where they're where they sit in terms of these five big watts and then leave it there. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're missing something really, really important. You've got to get people talking to each other if you want collaboration to happen, if you want the efficiencies to be realized. So, yeah, that's really important, and then we've got three more dynamics, so we've got um relationships, which we've mentioned mm-hmm. a couple of times we've got routines so ways of working, and we've got review and these three things really underpin your uh results and your routines mm-hmm. uh, sorry your your reason mm-hmm. at the top so these three things are like yeah like the underpinning of it all if you get these three things right, you know the mm-hmm. the results and and the and the reason become, become easy to deliver upon.
0: Yeah? Okay. Is this more to fix them or can it be used to form teams as well?
1: Um, this is a, so if you're forming a team, you've got a brand new team coming together, mm-hmm. having these five dynamics in mind when you are creating, you can start, you know, before you've done anything else with the, with the team, I'd start with the reason, for example, I'd then focus on the results and then I'd look at everything else mm-hmm. over a period of time. So yes, it, it can be used for both. So okay. forming a team and for, for developing
0: a team, and then well. for fixing a team, for making it, uh, putting it back again, and making it work, where would you start?
1: I'd start by assessing mm-hmm. where the team is at against the five dynamics. Okay. So I'd do a diagnostic. Okay. Um, so we've got a diagnostic tool that we use that is really lovely for just seeing where the team is at right now, doing a baseline. Um, help you prioritize where mm-hmm. you put your effort. Cause you, you might find as a result of doing the diagnostic, actually, you know, reason and results were really clear on. So don't put too much energy and effort into that. If it's, if it's, if it's doing, if you're doing mm-hmm. really well with it, um, actually maybe relationships needs the focus first. Um, and you can ask the whole team to complete the diagnostic. Okay. So you get their perspective versus the manager's perspective and the way that the questions are asked is that it is very much about it questions about us as a team mm-hmm. not you leader mm-hmm. <laughs> creating this for us because it's it, it, ultimately the, the 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 high performance of the team is the whole team is accountable for that true yeah true. i
0: imagine that one of the reasons maybe why uh, so far we've been focused on, on different areas is that it's mm-hmm. Five dynamics is quite a lot and putting them Mm. all together and deciding Mm. where to start, what's first, how to connect all of them Mm. is quite difficult. But on the other hand, teams are difficult, right? They're
1: They're (laughs) complex. They're made out of people. They're complex, you know? (laughs) Yes. And then I'm
0: I'm thinking about just normal relationships that we have, right? Like, like, like uh, living with family and everything. And those are complicated, complicated where we already know that, Hey, uh, we love them and we like them, and no matter what, we are stuck with them. So we need to make it work. <laughs> yes. But yeah. where, where you are not stuck with someone and you can move forward, and you mm. don't need to understand necessarily, and you can you can let go, it's a bit. It's even more difficult yeah. to talk about that that reason of yeah yes. why why we are here. Yes, exactly. But okay. I think one question that comes to my mind quite often is because there there's a bit of a misunderstanding, Not a, not a misunderstanding, but. Maybe you have a different view. We tend to focus right now very much on individuals, yeah. right? Before we were more uh, focusing on communities, right? Mm-hmm. We, we mm-hmm. even I come from this kind of setting, right? And and uh, we're, we're in from uh, as a culture. But now it feels like more and more, particularly in the West, we focus a lot on individuals, mm-hmm. right? Uh, who am I? What can I do? What are my strengths? How can I build on them? How can mm-hmm. I get targeted training, targeted development, a targeted job, uh, something that has an old name, right? We don't even have jobs, um, job families or mm-hmm. whatever the structures that we used to have. Everyone, mm-hmm. not, yeah, I know someone who's called right now, people geek. I've never heard of this job in my life, but, Anyway, uh, you have gurus in organizations. You have all sorts mm. of, of titles which belong to one person, and even the job is being now created for one person mm. because that person can deliver something something uh, special.
1: Mm.
0: So, even though somewhere in the back of my mind, we work with teams, we work mm. with one another, mm. right? We are social beings. My question is: Are st- teams still relevant? Do you find them mm. still relevant? Mm. Are companies still coming to? ask for support in building teams, Mm. developing teams, uh, fixing them, are they still relevant in this world of
1: myself, I? (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. First of all, I think you're right that that the world has become more individualistic. Um, It's always been a big part Mm -hmm. of the US culture and the UK culture, and I think um, think it's becoming more so in other countries where you might not have seen that before. and yes, we're also seeing a massive increase in uh, emphasis on teams. I think there's a couple of things that are driving that. First of all, um, people are, are more dispersed. Mm-hmm. So the individuals that we have in organizations are not necessarily together in the same location. And that creates more difficulties for people, mm-hmm. for organizations, you know, in terms of feeling connected to something. You're feeling a sense of belonging, feeling uh, uh, that we have relatedness with our peers and the people that we're working with—it's it, so much harder to create when you're not physically located in the same in the same room as each other. Um, I think also what we're seeing is that um, more agile teams, so teams coming together. Uh, For a specific project, breaking up again, and then another team forming for another specific project, probably not necessarily sequentially like that. It's more fluid than that. It's more, you know, Mm -hmm. I might be a member of of more than one team all at the same time because I'm working on multiple projects at the same time. That's complex. Um, where do I get my my sense of belonging from? <laughs> and thirdly, I think that um, the world is changing at the pace, as we know. It's getting, it's getting more complex. Um, and we're seeing things like automation coming in, uh, robotization, if that's even a word, robots coming yep. in, yep. artificial intelligence. And the things that robots can do um, you know, re- repeatable tasks that, you know, that are, that you can create an algorithm for. You can't create an algorithm, not that I know of at the moment anyway, <laughs> maybe it'll come, but I think it's very hard to to create an algorithm for teamwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the bit that people will still need to do, no matter what, is collaboration, team mm-hmm. working together with others, the creativity piece, the, the innovation pieces that, robots just can't do. So how how do
0: we bridge this gap because it mm. feels like from what we are talking that the more we focus on the individual mm. the more there's a need to actually fix or build teams because yeah. we are because of that yeah, just extraordinary focus on the who, uh, on one person, right? Yeah. And then yeah. and, and, yeah. uh, giving their self-esteem and uh, yeah. giving yeah. them the right title, the right job yeah. and all of that. Yeah. So yeah. the more than we need to focus on the other side, right? To, to yeah. either fix teams and so on. Yeah. How do you bridge that when you have maybe very, very different personalities coming together mm. in a team that needs mm. to be fixed? Do yeah. you see a trend? Is it more about... Relationships? Is it more about uh, I don't know reason? What is it about? How do you bridge that gap when when you work with teams to move from an individual to the
1: team? I think it's about all of it. I, I would say that, wouldn't I? I think um, you start with the reason. Do you start there? Because then the reason you start there is because when people have a why, a really strong why, it, it it's so big picture that it it, it creates commonality. We're connected by this reason, um and therefore our differences, which is detail that's that small small picture, um, don't matter because we're up here mm-hmm. yeah and and that purpose is what it's the glue that binds us together, so it's the thing that we can always come back to and go, we'll always have that in common, even if we're really really different people at this level, yeah even if we work in really different ways on really different things, that's what keeps us together
0: so but- how does that relate then to because you have at executive level for yeah. example in executive yeah. teams when you have very very different personalities yeah. uh mm-hmm. where i is quite important and it should be important because you need to yeah. deliver you need to make decisions you yeah. need to you need to have the courage to do it and to trust yeah. yourself so that i is and knowing yourself and knowing your abilities is very important mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've seen so many dysfunctional teams at an executive level, even if they know the why, right? Mm -hmm. They have the purpose, whether that's a profit margin or whatever Mm. is company related. Someone gives them the purpose, right? The big purpose. But still, some of them have 10, 15 years of working together. And they can't, they don't communicate. You can see that either they double effort, or their yeah. teams do it because they are not yeah. able to communicate between themselves, or they fight on resources, or yeah. that it's just not something is not yeah. working.
1: And they can't. And I'll on. tell you what's not working, likely okay. in that environment. They haven't got the right why. They haven't got the right reason. So, so if, it's, if it's just about money, that's yeah. not enough. It's not enough for people to get connected to. You know, yes, of course, it's important they're mm-hmm. in business, but it's got to be something beyond that. And and they've all got to be really clear about how what they do, do mm-hmm. contributes to that reason. So I'd probably suggest they need some more work on that first okay. to then be able to come together because until they do that, they're always going to be individuals just turning up together.
0: We spoke about teams working remote. We spoke about um, yeah working remote in, implies technology. Does technology involve or affects teams in any other way? Mm. Does it help them grow? Does it help the, is there technology to help yeah. them grow, to help them perform? Is there technology that hinders them from growing and developing and communicating yeah. properly? Yeah.
1: What do you yeah. see in, in in your day-to-day work? I think um technology is wonderful as it, as it is, can be a massive yeah. enabler of people. It can also be a massive hindrance, massive what I'd call an interference, actually. Um so we talk about um, the lovely model. Um uh, it talks about performance is equal to the potential of a team for example minus the interference that you know the stuff that gets in the way of that team So if you think about technology in particular can be a massive interference yeah? so for example email okay right um, massive yeah, wonderful tool when it's used well. <laughs> uh when it's abused it, you know and or the it's not just not managed very well it can be a, become a massive source of stress conflict within a team mm-hmm. you know misunderstandings you know, if, you, if you read an email in your head when you're feeling cross uh okay. and the and the email sounds cross right <laughs> you change the tone in your head and and become you know to talk read it in a nicer tone of voice it changes the whole tone of the email and we talk about there being you know, on, the research shows that 75% of emails that people receive on average uh, are unnecessary so okay. we're creating a huge amount of workload for ourselves and but usually is it at the individual level or is it at the team level as well so no, the individuals drive what happens in the team and usually mm-hmm. what happens is that the biggest source of unnecessary emails or just emails in general comes from your own team Okay. In an organization. So you've got to be using email well, otherwise it's going to be an interference. Just one, one example. I mean, we could, we could apply the same to a WhatsApp group or Slack or Trello, whatever the tool is that you guys use to, to, mm-hmm. to keep up to date with each other. You always need to be using those with real purpose and intent to avoid it becoming an interference. It needs to be an enabler of the team. And it okay. needs to be driving. You know, when you design that routine, because ultimately te- the use of technology is just a routine, you need to be doing it in such a way that you're thinking about. So if I, if I, if we decide we're going to email each other in this way, is that, dr- is that building relationships or is it getting in the way?
0: But no, I've never seen a team sitting yes. down. So- discussing this
1: never no exactly people don't do that we just do it and it just becomes a habit and a behavior yeah
0: so how how do yeah. you work to change that and how do you work to actually make it stick because mm. telling them about it maybe they recognize it and mm. then of they understand that this this is a habit. Yeah. but yeah. going back to work you just go back to what you've always After doing yeah, yeah, and yeah. do find some good reason to be on Slack or WhatsApp yeah. and maybe if it's not you it's the other is the other team member. Um, I have how do you make them first talk about it and then second, how do you make it stick?
1: lovely uh we've created a set of tools basically so first of all helping leaders to understand what what's going on and mm-hmm. what and get them to do their own thinking about what they see and observe because a leader has a lovely unique role that they can look across the whole team notice what's going on for everybody mm-hmm. uh, they have that position that they can they can play in the team so they can be a facilitator, a really effective facilitator as a result of that, as well as being part of the team, of course, mm-hmm. and experiencing this from a different perspective. Um, and so our role, we see, is to set them up to be able to have that conversation with the team, to be able to facilitate a meeting or a conversation or a set of agreements that the team creates around how they mm-hmm. purposefully create their own routines. You know, Doing an audit would be the first step have a look at all the routines that you have you know look across all of the different areas that there are in, t- in relation to re- meetings Ma- meetings are a massive source of frustration for people decision making how is that done on a day-to-day basis does it all fall on the shoulders of the leader or does the team feel enabled to make some decisions on their own without the leader present and when does that change you know if something cha- is is getting more risky you know a customer you know is threatening to leave for example does the decision threshold change, you need to have some way of agreeing that with the teams have created a whole heap of tools that managers can, can pull in, you know, to the, the right moment in the right way. Um, and, and, and have a discussion with their team around it. Do they do it? Do they, do they have those
0: discussions? Okay. Do they, yeah. yeah. Do they actually yeah. do it because yeah. with all these lean organizations, yeah. I always find that whatever tool you try to implement, which is new. Yeah. It's just like, I know I have it, but mm. to, to run an audit right now, to really understand what's happening in my team or what's happening here, it will take so much time yeah. to sit down and have the meeting. And then, then this, the clock is yeah. ticking. My project needs to be delivered or accounting mm. is waiting mm. for this data or whatever. Yeah. It tends to never happen.
1: Yeah. Our experience is that people do, and maybe it's because we're creating stuff that's really simple and easy. When I say audit, it does imply a massive big piece of work, doesn't it? It's not actually that at all. It's just a piece of paper with some, you know, some... You do a little nine, look at nine things, and, and assess. You know whether mm-hmm. how good the team is at doing that, out of out of four, and you get a score at the end, and you know you've got an assessment of, of where your teams at on routines. And is it better to do mm-hmm. that
0: kind of audit, even if it's a mini audit, right? Very simple, mm-hmm. uh, once a month, once every three months, because
1: I it's a moment that in time they- thing. So it, you know, with these things, you know, specifically with the routines audit, mm-hmm. it's as um, it's a starting point it's mm-hmm. helping you to again to prioritize. What of these things are we good at? And what are we not so good at? And then it's a starting point for conversation with the team. Do you agree with what I've said here? What is your experience of how we use email or have meetings mm-hmm. or make decisions? Um, what should we do about how important is it that we change something here? Um, so if the team are, are saying that everything's fine, don't, don't change anything. You know, why fix something if it ain't broke? Mm-hmm. Um But if they are saying that there's issues with routines and our experience is that a lot of teams have a lot of issues with routines you need to focus on it because that's a massive piece that drives the relationships in the team can be a massive source of conflict can uh, affect your results. Cause you're focusing on, you know, people are getting so overwhelmed with you know, all these emails coming through or all these different ways that we communicate with each other, just not focusing on the right stuff. So it's, it's, it's things like that, that um, really impact
0: the team. And do you find that managers, are proactive Mm -hmm. in this or are more intervening when they feel that something is not working. With any of the with any with any of the five dynamics or
1: any of the areas, Should it be- does depend on the on the leader. Um, you know, I, it probably comes down to personal preference in terms of whether they are the kinds of person who wants to. I think often leaders feel like they just don't know where to start with this stuff. They're just doing what's always been done to them. They're they're just repeating the same behaviours that their role models have have, have done to them. So um, they've often never even thought about there being another way. And so what we're doing is just helping them to understand that, you know, everything that you create in a team, if you if you do it with purpose, you know, around these these five dynamics, you're you gonna have better success. <laughs> and once they understand that, they go, okay, you know, I kind of knew that email was an issue for us, but I didn't didn't connect it to a, to interference in the team and it's stopping them from getting to high performance. I really want high performance, so I want to do something about it. And if it's just as simple as changing how we use email, then, you know, I'm going to do it. So it comes down to motivation at the end of the day, doesn't it?
0: Okay. Mm. We've been talking about this high performing teams. Mm. If you what's the ideal team? The ideal high performing team, how would it look like in terms of uh <laughs> if someone would need to yeah. have a benchmark right and say yeah that's yeah. a high performing team or that's yeah. that's how it should look yeah. like what's
1: how yeah. we define it i i think that um the composition of that team i'm not gonna you know i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily make any judgments about that it's who should be part of it that's probably not what's important ultimately let's judge a team team's high performance on their output so do they consistently over a period of time deliver awesome results and we're not just talking about mediocrity because a lot of people are quite happy (laughs) with mediocrity and people will tolerate mediocrity in teams it's weird yeah so they will and they'll actually tolerate failure interestingly in teams much more than they'll tolerate failure in individuals so usually when a team fails, an individual in the team gets blamed for it, which is interesting, right? So, you know, actually let's change that paradigm and go, we're all accountable for the performance of the team. If something goes wrong, that's on all of our shoulders, not just on one person's. Um, so, so therefore, you know, high performance, it's all about output together.
0: Yeah? Yes. But how? Because still, when someone makes a mistake, usually the others just, mm. you have to recognize who made the mistake. Yes, of course, it's on mm-hmm. the team, right? And mm-hmm. it's mostly the leader has to face that. And uh, mm-hmm. if there are consequences mm-hmm. of the team, then yes, they face it together. Mm-hmm. But there's always someone who has done something that, who has made the mistake, right? Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. cannot necessarily be the team. So how? Mm-hmm. Because the rest of the teams can get, the rest of the team members can get mm-hmm. frustrated because they get, punishment right Mm. for the behavior of one or for the mistake of one Mm. doesn't that create frustrations and doesn't that break the team apart rather than Mm. build it and is there a point in which yeah Mm. it starts
1: to build yeah just yeah okay so i think when, when a team is really really effective They don't see themselves as a set of individuals. They see they've got that common purpose. Mm -hmm. They've got the the really clear on the results they're accountable for delivering. They see how all their different roles contribute to that, Mm -hmm. those accountabilities. And then if we take the word accountability and take it to the next level, what does real accountability look like in a team? We are, if if, if we're accountable, really accountable, we are uh, able to, to have conflict with each other. We're able to, in a really, really healthy way, so mm-hmm. we can disagree with each other, almost to the point of it getting a little bit nasty. But actually, when we get to that point, we know to pull ourselves back again. Um, you know, And we're doing that because we know that if we challenge each other, we get a better outcome. And then at that point, we can go, okay, so Julia, we were working on a project together. You, you, you're, you haven't delivered what you said you were gonna deliver. That's not okay. We can hold each other accountable for mm-hmm. for failures, and that's all right. It doesn't cause a massive rift in the team. It's just the way that we operate on a day to day basis. That is true accountability, and that's what I see in really truly high performing teams. It's not just surface level stuff. It goes deeper than that. Is it a matter of communicating
0: with one another and understanding that hey, I will have these conversations, or is it more a matter of how long the team has been working together? and getting used to this
1: kind of yeah i think um it's probably both to be honest with you i think you can get to that stage really really quickly if you do all the right things mm-hmm. um and it you have to um continuously reinforce the right behaviours and and reinforce not accepting the wrong behaviors, if you like, so this is where the role of the leader can be really powerful, but it's not, it can 't just be them that 's doing it it 's got to be the team members themselves having those conversations and 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 pointing out stuff that's not that 's not right it 's also about um, them agreeing up front what is okay and what 's not and, and agreeing that that 's how we 're going to work, so we want to challenge each other on things we want to have to be able to fight well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> with each other to have that conflict without it um turning into all out war, um but at the same time, we also don't want um you know artificial mm-hmm. harmony either. we don't want it to f- seem really nice, but actually, under the surface, you just dig a little bit deeper mm-hmm. it's It's not actually at all. There's a lot of unsaid stuff, so we want to be it's open enough that we can say what we think without fear of of reprisal. Yeah, and that that does yeah. That often, I mean, I know teams that have been together for twenty years and still haven't got to that point because they're just not doing the right things. Um, You can get to that point really quickly just by agreeing that that's where you're going to go, and then constantly reinforcing those behaviours along the way. Is it the leader? Is it how
0: the team is formed?
1: It's both. What's most important? important? Yeah, both. The leader. Leader is the glue again that holds the team together, has a lovely position of this kind of helicopter view of what's going on in the team, mm-hmm. can facilitate stuff, um, can set a, set a, a, a tone for the team can, you know, put their, um, you know, they have a unique position in that sense. Um, and at the same time, they're just a part of the team as well. Just, just, they're just someone who happens to have a bit more authority in the hierarchy of the organization. Um, and so if they see themselves in that way, they are invested therefore in, in, in creating a good team because they're part of it, they're not separate from it.
0: Are there certain skills that a team leader, manager should have to be able to lead the team, not to lead a project or to get results, but yeah. to actually lead and be part at the same time of the, of the team? Yeah. What are, what yes. would three, <laughs> three maybe maybe from what you've seen and not yeah. from, really from literature but from what you've seen?
1: Yeah, what makes a good leader of teams? Leader of teams, I think. Oh, you're gonna make me choose three. Okay, so um, that I used the word facilitator earlier. I mm-hmm. think that is really really important. So being able to um, facilitate conversations, facilitate you know have have an outcome in mind and to be able to help the group to get there. Um, it's about, um, uh, I talked about big picture detail. They Mm -hmm. need to be able to navigate both because the team are working at both levels and generally the team are working at the detail level, but the leader, a really effective leader is someone who can step out of that when it's really important and probably spend most of their time up here. Um, looking at uh, overall across the team, how, how are things pulling together? That person's working on that bit. How does that connect with that? How does that connect with that bit? Oh, and it connects with that bit in the organization over there as well. So I'm keeping an eye on that stuff too. So they kind of are looking at things from a different perspective and able to bring it together, but also drop into the detail where it really matters without staying there, getting stuck there. Um, and I think thirdly, they have to have a really, really positive intent for, for the people and the individuals in their team. They have to want the best for them. They have to want to develop them, want to grow them, want them to be able to be at high performance all the time and they see their role as an enabler of that. You know, If you think about the impact that the leader or the manager has on the individuals in their team on a day-to-day basis, it's massive. Managers have a, a research shows a 70% impact on the engagement levels of the people in their team so that yeah whether they want yeah. it or not that's a powerful that's, uh, position to be in, right yes. <laughs> really okay. powerful so they need to yeah. use that power well you know use it for good not for evil
0: <laughs> did you uh, now now talking about uh, maybe the good or and the evil at the same time uh <laughs> Um, have you ever had uh, any teams or any managers present uh, in your in your trainings or doing your, the, the audits that you're running, mm-hmm. and just having an uh, aha moment and realizing mm-hmm. that hey, the team doesn't work because either of me or of this and this individual, and then having to actually let go of someone so they can move on and build from there? Because know, we uh, do make mistakes yeah. and
1: hire the wrong yeah. person yeah. in the, in the team. You know, generally, most people want to make things work, even if there are difficult people in their team. What they want to do is overcome that that difficulty. And usually the aha moment comes from understanding that just person just works in a different way from other people and Mm -hmm. therefore needs to um, needs some more support on something or other people need to flex their style to accommodate that person and enable them to be part of the team. And, you know, we talk a lot about the importance of diversity of thought and when you have someone who is so different, actually can be a really powerful part of a team. You know? It's
0: easier said than yeah. said than done sometimes. Oh, I know,
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to tolerate working with them on a day-to-day basis, right? <laughs>
0: yes. And if they're always contradictory and they always have another point of view yeah. and uh, yeah. they're always challenging and never yeah. letting go, then that,
1: that, it can be tiresome, and it can be particularly tiresome for the leader. I think mm-hmm. in that in that situation, yeah. and they may need to make a decision whether that behaviour is so unwelcome in the team and so different from the climate they want to create that actually it's not okay, mm-hmm. um, and therefore a bit a tough decision needs to be made, um, or whether they can somehow that person brings something so valuable to the team in other ways that actually that wouldn't be okay to, 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 to get rid of them. Actually this maybe, the, and, and, and often it's about having a conversation with them and pointing out to them, the behaviors that they're generating and the impact it has on the people around them that can make a massive difference. So I, fi- I find that the, the, on the whole people come with that perspective of, I want to make it work far more than they come with the perspective of, I want to get rid of that person. Yeah. Yeah. So coming in, I yeah.
0: imagine, I was just wondering, they had um, they have an, uh, really a moment when they say, yeah, that's, this is what's mm.
1: not working. <laughs> it would, it usually takes a long time for people to get to that point. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah. Observing, you know, where people come from to start with and getting to the, cause I think it's mm-hmm. a really tough decision to go to realize that something's just not working.
0: True. Yeah. Especially if you're invested in that decision and you've hired a person, that's usually, that's usually yeah. tough. Is there, um, the a best way to. Welcome people in the team because let's say you are four or five or six already doing a complex work together. And then someone new comes in. Mm-hmm. Is there a better way to build that? I don't know. Uh, first engagement, telling them what's happening, how things are is.
1: Yeah. If you any think about advice new person coming into a team, Mm -hmm. you know, a team that might be quite close knit and and, and well formed and they might be high performing for a start. So, um, and that person comes in, the dynamic of that team is going to change just by the fact that you've got a new person in the team. And what it does is it kind of, Knocks the team off its axis for a moment, and 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 if you're not careful, it will stay off its axis, and that will you know affect performance. So you need to kind of make sure it gets back on track as quickly as possible. Um, And as much for the team as it is about for the individual that's coming into the team, feeling Mm -hmm. welcome, connected, all the good things that we know are really important for engagement. So there's something about how you induct a person, not just on the task, not just on the organization. And, you know, all the good stuff that mm-hmm. if, you, if we're doing it well, you know, we, we know that we should induct people in. We need to induct them into the way that the team works too. Um, the, 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 the the reason. So mm-hmm. suddenly a new person comes into the team, they might have a different perspective on that reason. So you need to review it. Um, they all, We also need to understand their individual connection to that reason. The, and they need to understand how that you know compares to the rest of the team uh, they need to understand the the, the five big watts and their accountability the minute you have clarity they' are going to feel so much more grounded in that team because they have a purpose and they have a they have accountabilities that they they have a value to the organization mm-hmm. and to the team and they can see who they need to get to know really quickly because they're going to be working with them on that particular accountability. The relationship's really, really critical. They need to feel psychologically safe as quickly as possible. We know that's massive, massively important in teams. So how do they build trust with the rest of the team really quickly? It's about getting to know them as a person. It's, you know, it's about, um, understanding more about each other beyond just the working relationship that we have mm-hmm. with each other. It's a deeper thing. So there's stuff that you can do with the team. Yes. So would you stuff. need a team
0: yeah. building at that point, or would you need just a team getting out, uh, talking about themselves? What would you, what would you recommend? Think, um, just to make the induction quicker. And anything
1: that, yeah. <laughs> that goes deeper than just the surface level stuff. So a team building day can be really expensive, but it can be really useful as long as you debrief it well. So as long as it has a purpose and it's not just, you know, doing it for the sake of doing it. You know? They work? Do they work, the Again, business? as long as they're done with a purpose. I mean, I've seen them not work at all and be absolutely terrible and actually create more problems than they solve. Um, I've seen them be a nice, fun day out for everybody, but a complete waste of time and effort. And yeah. I've seen them work really, really well. But they have to be done with really real care and focus. And I don't think you need to go and do all of that, you know, expensive stuff to create the outcome that you want. I think that um, you can create that outcome together, we can, you can do it at the pub, actually, you know, you don't actually, yeah. You know, teams will often build relationships better at the pub on their own without any, you know, formal any
0: supervision and
1: any formal, yeah, because they want that connection and, you know, there's something about, you know, how, uh, how we interact. We're in that environment that, um, that, that builds relationship. Because we talk to each other at deeper level, mm-hmm. but you can facilitate it um, separately in the session just by, you know, doing. Again, we've got tools for this that help people build relationship by getting to know each other at another level.
0: Now on the reverse side, right? Because you, you've, we've discussed that the, the teams when they welcome someone mm-hmm. new, uh, they shift a bit, right? their mm-hmm. they, are, they mm-hmm. their routines change. Maybe the results and the reason they don't change, but for sure relationships, routines and all of yeah, some of the others would would change as well. What helps them to get back on track? Because most of the time I don't imagine that it's a new individual really changing the culture and the dynamics Mm -hmm. of the team. It has most of the time is the other way around or somewhere in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. How do you get them back on track quickly so they can continue delivering?
1: I think new people into a team have a very unique uh, opportunity for the team because they ask the dumb questions that we (sighs) haven't asked ourselves up until this point. haven't asked each other for a while. Why do we do it like that? Um, Because we always have. It's not a good enough answer, right? You know, it, it shouldn't be a good enough answer. So, I think that um, being open to and welcoming the opportunity that a new person brings to a team, which is just a fresh pair of eyes, see things from a different perspective, really important stance for a team to have. And and usually we need to uh, create an opportunity for that to happen. It doesn't, can't assume that, it, that that person will voice their opinions to a team that they're trying to build a relationship with, you know, just on their own. So, I think one of the first things that a team can do is ask, invite a new person to, to make observations in a really safe way. Um, and the leader might be the best place to do that, to have those conversations. What do you notice, what do you observe mm-hmm. about what's going on in this team? Just because they have a different perspective on things. Um, I think what's important whenever somebody new joins the team is to review everything, so do a quick re- It doesn't need to be onerous, just mm-hmm. a quick review of all the five dynamics. And, and the, I think what we keep coming back to in all of this is doing things with intent. So you know, again, that leader having that helicopter view, going something's changed in this system that we have here, mm-hmm. this team. Yeah, How, what do I need to do to realign it, or you know, change it completely? Because ultimately, that person could could be making quite a significant impact on the team. Um, yeah, what do we need to change to maintain the high performance that we've achieved?
0: Some, sometimes it almost feels like you need people who already know how to communicate, receive feedback, positive and negative, give feedback, positive and negative. You need leaders yeah. who are able mm-hmm. to run these teams and understand mm-hmm. that, hey, mm-hmm. new. Guy coming in mm-hmm. uh maybe this is where the the difference lies uh mm-hmm. is this and this personality this and this skill level mm-hmm. values and, and and so on, and being aware of that and really thinking about it so they can mm-hmm. run that uh someone aware enough that they need to build all of these mm-hmm. routines and reasons and 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 mm-hmm. communicate mm-hmm. to the extreme to make everyone mm-hmm. feel welcome, connect to the same goal and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's rarely the case. (laughs) 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 All of those elements coming together in a team, it's rarely the case. I mean, only looking at Mm -hmm. recruitment, right? Um, Even if you have the best tools Mm -hmm. in place, And we are talking about recruiting for the mm-hmm. job, not mm-hmm. recruiting for the team, right? That's mm-hmm. that's at some point even too complex to comprehend for, for yeah. some, but putting the job and the team and the organization together and everything and mm-hmm. you, they would never hire someone.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. That decision would never be made because that's the true. risk is too high, right? Yeah. I mean, if you put... If we have the best tools, we use them in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. We can get to I think it's point seventy eight, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in in really predicting performance on yeah. on the job, right? Mm-hmm. And then there we have tools and we have research. Mm-hmm. But again, if mm-hmm. we put all of the others together, it's it's very very hard. So the the risk mm-hmm. of hiring the wrong person for the team is really mm-hmm. high. Mm-hmm. And then the leaders are not always where they should be, right? We promote people mm-hmm. from, from being really, really good in what uh, in what they do, having the depth of knowledge rather mm-hmm. than having the breadth or the leadership skills, and we're trying to develop mm-hmm. them. So they are not where they should be. The team is not where they should be. How do we get them into that flow so that it feels like they are dancing ballet on a, on a, on a, on a, mm-hmm. a one-hour ballet and everyone knows what yeah. everyone else yeah. is doing, and yeah. it's like an orchestra that... that yeah understands everything.
1: I, I think that might be a Nirvana that is uh, <laughs> unattainable. And the reason I say that is because even once you get perfection, mm-hmm. something will change. That's the nature of organizations, the nature of the world, the complexity of the world that we live in, um, is things are changing all the time. And so um, it's it's getting 80% right, I think, rather than aiming for perfection mm-hmm. and, and 100% right all the time. and And being able to be nimble enough to know uh, that we just need to, we just need to change all the time to keep up with what's going on and um, that that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. that it's okay not to be perfect for it not to be a ballet. Um, you know, actually what we're looking for is um, uh, good enough.
0: Yeah. yeah. To, to, to make it work. Okay. Yeah. Do we, do you think they would need support, like I'm thinking yeah. coaching or something yeah. like that every now yeah. and again. So they understand yeah. where they are.
1: Uh, yes. I think, uh, I mean, you, you, talked earlier about, um, the capability of leaders mm-hmm. and, and we see a massive gap in leaders capability. Um, we, we also see a massive gap in leaders' expectations of their role. So I think a lot of leaders see themselves as being a, a super subject matter expert, so being better and needing to be better at everything that a team does you know, all the time. And that sets a really high bar and it's virtually impossible, right? Um, actually, if they reset their expectations to being that facilitator role that we talked about earlier as well, to to them being the person who shapes the team, uh, sets the direction, um, make sure that the resources are in place, that things are, you know, moving in the right direction um, and uh, is a part of a team in terms of the relationships. And, you know, that's a different, that's a different perspective it's a different old yeah. things it's almost the difference between the hero leader the hero mm-hmm. manager um and somebody who is uh, a part of the team and um it's just it's just playing the role of facilitating where where that team goes it's quite different and 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 it requires a, a, a them letting go of a big part of their ego to be honest with mm-hmm. you because the hero leader is a very um sexy place to be, you know, it's quite, um, it's got a lot of really, you know, positive, powerful imagery around it. Whereas the, just being a facilitator and leading a team in a much more quiet way, um, you know, at first glance doesn't seem quite so exciting, Mm -hmm. does it? Um, but actually I think, if you think about the power of that, you know, if we talk about, you know, we talk about vulnerable leadership and that's really where that, takes you doesn't it you know you, you're you're and how much more buy-in you have from your team when you are for just facilitating a process for them like how much more powerful could that be um and yeah so i think there needs to be first of all before any of that other skills stuff comes um a shift in mindset for managers and then equipping them with the skills to constantly be talking about uh, you know, giving giving each other giving each other feedback. It's not just me, manager, giving you my direct report feedback, because that's not enough. I need to be asking for feedback too, because ultimately I'm here to serve the team, you know. And if I'm not asking for feedback all the time. How do I know whether I'm doing a good job or not? Um, it's about me coaching the team constantly. And that's that facilitator role. Again, if you mm-hmm. think about what a coach does, they just facilitate a process. That's what the manager needs to be doing. So in all of this, we need to be equipping managers with the capability to have those types of conversations. And that's a big part of what the five dynamics for high-performing teams is all about. Mm-hmm. It's about giving managers... That skill, right set set skill set and skills mm-hmm. and the tools to then go and do something with
0: it. And is it the same for agile teams, or is it different? Mm-hmm. Because those teams change constantly, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, today they might have five members. Tomorrow yeah. they they might retain three of them and add three more. They yeah. might even change leadership,
1: move on to a different project, different reason, yeah, yeah. different everything, right? Yeah, I think it becomes the same principles apply. Okay. So they still have, you know, whatever, however long that team's going to be together mm-hmm. for, um, the five dynamics are still really, really relevant and the agile methodology just slots in beautifully mm-hmm. within all of that.
0: But how should an organization think mm. about forming those teams and training them mm. upfront? Because I'm thinking maybe mm. some projects mm. are a week long. Mm. Mm and they don't have the time no one will yeah. sit around no. and do an audit on the five dynamics
1: they might not but they would they would be thinking about so they should still be thinking about what's mm-hmm. our purpose because mm-hmm. ultimately that's our outcome right um they should still be thinking about what are we accountable for delivering so mm-hmm. still be asking themselves like what those questions um, that they should still g- n- trust each other enough have enough psychological safety with each other to enable the interdependence that these Agile teams are built upon to work. Um, So they need to know how to build relationship really quickly with Mm -hmm. people to a sufficient level. We're not talking about deep levels here. We're talking about enough that you and I can work together Mm -hmm. and be okay. For that amount of time. (laughs) Yeah, for that that amount of time, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, They need to have, and and what Agile brings is the routines. So the routines are almost always taken care of by Agile. with the ways of working is, is is decided because that's what the methodology is all about. So, you don't need to worry too much about that if you're trained in Agile because the routines work, right? they work beautifully. It's so the other four dynamics that you need to really be focusing on um, as well as the Agile methodology to make it really, really work in that short space of time. But you're doing it light touch, so you're not, you're not, as you, you're absolutely right. You wouldn't do a massive di- diagnostic and audit of the five minutes because, you are yes. baseline, yes. you know, you're at zero for everything.
0: <laughs> Sometimes it feels like this way of building teams, the agile way, seems mm. to be working better than the normal team. Mm. Do mm. you have the same feeling or is it more, I'm...
1: I think the bit that people miss the bit when I talk to people who are in agile uh, ways of working or agile, you know, organizations that have adopted the agile methodology is that they can feel the, the, the routines work really well, mm-hmm. you know, that they are so slick and, and people love that. Yep. They love that that works so, so well. Sometimes what people are missing is uh, longevity because they can be quite short just the very nature, you know, is about doing things quickly. Um, and they kind of feel sad when that, that, that thing that was working so well, these people that I, you know, the adrenaline that I get from working with these people, you know, it comes to an end and then we create something else. And so they, they miss the sense of belonging, the relatedness that they have with the people that they've uh, worked with. Um, so that's, that, that can be a bit that, that gets lost in the agile methodology, I think. Um, that it's important to get from somewhere else I suppose if you, you need to kind of compensate for that somehow
0: but I imagine yeah. that on the other hand on the non-agile teams so on the classical yeah. uh, teams that work together and tend to work together for yeah. a long time you could have you could end up having even a group think kind of right, yeah. getting to that point in which you know each other so well that you're no longer challenging you yeah. end, end up having the same kind of ideas mm. the mm. and then and you're, it's not innovating anymore it's not Changing with times, it's maybe yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we we can get stale because we are so exactly. used to doing the things we've always done.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, did you ever have to change one
1: team that was uh, that became stale? Oh gosh, a lot of the teams that okay. <laughs> we work with have got to that point. Have lot worked together for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you say, know each other really well, but maybe not to the in the right ways. You know, they know each, how each other works. But actually, do they really know, truly know each other? Do they really, truly have trust? Um, so a, a you know, lovely part of the work that we have been able to do with teams is a reinvigoration, um, a reconnectedness with each mm-hmm. other, um, with the purpose of the, of the team, um, a reinvigoration of what we actually do <laughs> you know, on a day-to-day basis, um, a reinvigoration of our relationships with each other we can take to the next level. Um, and they really appreciate that. People love, love knowing each other at a deeper level. It really sparks something. Isn't, isn't that yeah. amazing? You work yeah. together for 10, 15 years. Yeah.
0: Uh, you end up in a classroom and you realize, hey, yeah, actually... But
1: yeah, I still still needed to know something new about you. Yeah, I was on a workshop this morning uh, on a virtual workshop and they were talking about five dynamics. We taught them in the workshop uh, a few weeks ago and uh, the question they were asked was what have have you done that's different? And a guy came on and he said, "Um, I got my team who worked together for years, team meeting and I told them they needed to ask each other about their weekends you he said, he said, they were shocked. They didn't know what to do. And he said, and I left the room <laughs> and I came back 10 minutes later and the energy was completely different in the room. You know, they'd never even thought about that, <laughs> that conversation, you know, so and that's not even going to the next level. Is it That's that's just a different type of conversation than they'd always had because he's starting to think about building relationships. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, what it, He said that, that already has made a massive impact. He said that they have started to question. They used to be a very hide-behind-the-email culture. And he said, as a result of just doing that little exercise, he said some of them have been coming up to him and saying, I don't think I should be emailing this person. I should be calling them. What do you think? He's like, yes, do it. <laughs> so I think that's that's really powerful. Yeah. That's that's uh,
0: fascinating when uh, some just don't realize that they can do st- yeah just call pick up the phone and call their colleague exactly i i i lived in an organization where this happened uh it was a global organization we had uh, we were working i was working in europe Mm. they had colleagues in the us and in asia pacific as well Mm. so um whenever someone in asia wanted to call someone Mm. from the western part of the world they would they would call me Mm. tell me what what was in their mind and then i had to send that message over Mm i I wasn't managing them right they were just they were just yeah. peers, but it was just fascinating, like it's the same phone call, the same thing that you told me you could tell this person you've met in meetings in common meetings, you know their faces, you know how they look like, mm. and still mm. you're not picking up the phone, mm. yes,
1: yeah, we hide behind email, and that can be a massive in a uh, blocker in terms mm-hmm. of building relationships, you know, how often have I seen yeah, teams working in the same office and people are sitting next to each other and email each other and stuff. Why don't they just talk to each other? <laughs> why,
0: is in, why is it different in communities, right? Mm-hmm. Where is it the, the, the difference in purpose of the level of the purpose? Why is it different in communities? Because those people mm-hmm. can get together weekend by weekend or evening by evening mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. I don't know, read a book, uh, mm-hmm. discuss certain subjects, um, mm-hmm. build a park and they do it without mm-hmm. having a leader, an organization, getting yeah. money
1: out of it. What,
0: yeah. what, why is it different in communities versus
1: normal teams in organizations? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's more powerful purpose. So, okay. you know, uh, wanting, yeah, the purpose being relationships and wanting connectedness and wanting to do something together with other people, you know, I'm, I'm part of a choir. Why do I go to that choir? Cause I, I want to, I want to, uh, feel connected to some to other people who like this doing the same thing that I do, you know, that's a, that's a strong enough motivator to, 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 make me, me go every, every week. And you know, I could sing on my own. It doesn't have the same impact, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, first,
0: because no one hears me, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, then uh, definitely I'm singing together with others, so maybe yeah. my voice sounds better when uh, yeah. <laughs> with uh, with the other people yeah. around me. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, uh, is it is it so much about motivation and purpose, and do we make so many big mistakes mm-hmm. when we are hiring people in terms of motivation and why they want to be there, and mm-hmm. having that higher purpose that at some point we end up hurting how they work together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, I get very sad when I, um, see how institutionalized people get very quickly in organizations (laughs) that have often have a really strong purpose, like the organization Mm -hmm. does. Um, and how quickly people forget what that purpose is, um, because of what's going on around them. Um, and they get disconnected from it really, really easily. Um, so one of our clients, for example, who I will not name to protect mm-hmm. the, the the innocent, um, has a really you know, public sector, very, very strong, obvious to me, looking in what their purpose is. It's really, really clear. They're <laughs> set mm-hmm. up for one purpose, one purpose only, and that's it. And, you know, I, I guarantee you that when people w- decided they wanted to work for that organization, they did it because of that purpose. You know, not because of well, the other factors might have played a part in it, but most people I talk to can, can, can remember why they, they joined the organization in the first place. They very quickly forget it. So when I ask them now, what's the purpose of the organization? They can't articulate it to me. So what makes them forget? What, the what at some point
0: switches yeah. them
1: from really remembering why they're there? Yeah. I, think, um, I think stuff, again that technical term, stuff mm-hmm. gets in the way you know, the day-to-day stuff, the bureaucracy, the, um, the, the, the stuff that really doesn't seem on, on the, say on the surface of it to have anything to do with that purpose, just kind of builds a wall that stops you from seeing what that purpose is anymore. It's uh, it's sad. It's really, really sad because I, I know that people are so much more motivated when they know what that purpose is and they have that in their heads every day. Yeah. It almost feels
0: like maybe there's another intervention that we need to make, not at team level, but as organizations. So we understand how we can put a block between people yeah. who come in engaged, who come in with a purpose, uh, the, mm-hmm. and share the same purpose as uh, as the whole organization. And uh, just because they are part of the organization, they mm-hmm. forget about it and they get upset and sad. <laughs> And they don't want to work together anymore, and they don't know each other anymore, even though yeah. they've lived together even more than they live with their uh, with their spouses yeah, at home sometimes yes. yeah. yeah, absolutely very, very interesting. that's mm-hmm. a good uh good thinking uh, <laughs> for maybe the next time. <laughs> uh, Jenny, how can uh team individuals or even uh, team leaders or h r find you? So they can start this discussion about teams and understand how they can look into teams, how they can understand how their teams work. Is it good or bad? Maybe... Mm.
1: Yeah, so um, we I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. Always open to connecting mm-hmm. with people, even if it's just to share ideas, thoughts, you know, best practice. Love having conversations with people. Um, so do connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, have a look at our website. We've um, just put a a white paper about the the five dynamics of high performing teams on there, so people can download it from the website. I know you've read it yourself, so uh, you can tell me <laughs> if it's any good or not. Um, or maybe if people could just judge for themselves when they've downloaded it. Um, Um, So start a conversation with us about this.